0: It's time for the Real LV Raiders Ladies Podcast. A place for all the real Raider Lady fans to support, encourage, and share in a fun fan community. Here's your hosts, Steph McKenzie and Rachel Nunez. Oh, first, give me a test. Make sure you're okay.
1: Check. One, two, three. JT. Three, two, one. Yes, yes. Hello. All right, right. everyone. Good.
0: Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to the Real LV Raider Ladies Podcast. Created and developed by me, Steph McKenzie. And me, Rachel Nunez. And we take you through the evolution of what it's like to be a real sports fan through the eyes of a woman. It's so much fun. And very excited for our next guest, who has been with the Raiders through and through for years and years and years. Of course, we always talk about the Raiders, but we talk about sports stuff, too. And he's got it all. It's JT the Brick from Raider Nation Radio. Wow,
1: ladies. Thanks for having me. I've been waiting to do this. I'm thrilled to be here. How are you? Well,
0: I'm awesome. I'm so excited to finally have you um, on. I'm like in Ah.
1: Well, I am thrilled to be here because I listened to all of your work. Even when I'm up early in the morning, you're my number one go-to, along with Howard. I oh, listen to okay, you, okay. I'll let you, and you're that. my number one go-to female Raider fan.
0: Yes, thank so, you. There you go. And I will be your number two.
1: I will take that. <laughs> yes. I can use a number two. How are you guys? Thanks we for are name.
0: so amazing. Well, first and foremost, um, for people that might not know you mm-hmm. or new people, you know, that are listening, what are you to the Raider
1: organization? I've been kind of a jack of all media trade. I just finished year twenty-four with them and a whole bunch of different media capacities. I do. Pre- and post-game. I was their sideline reporter back in the day. I interviewed the head coach on television. I do the coach's interview.
0: Here in Las Vegas. Here in
1: Las Vegas. And I basically do a two-hour radio Raider radio show every day, a Raider podcast. So I started with the Raiders in 1998 as their pre- and post-game host, and I've been doing it through this past season, going into year 25.
0: So can we say that you are a Raider fan, or do you only get to talk about it from a political reporter?
1: No, no, that's a great question. First off, backstory, I didn't grow up a Raider fan. I grew up a New York Giant fan in Long Island, New York, diehard I couldn't then, tell with that accent. Yeah, the man right? Especially <laughs> coming off the Red Hot Chili Peppers last night. So it's going. But uh, so I moved out and I started in radio. I won the Jim Rome Smack Off. I won a caller contest, which Stop back it. then. Stop yeah. With Jim Rome. Yeah, I won his first ever Smack Off, which at the time was way before reality TV and American Idol and all that. So I won a contest. And if I would have came in second place in that contest, I wouldn't be sitting here today.
0: And what made you do that?
1: I was a caller. I was a passionate, I was a stockbroker in New York. I moved out west to San Diego in the early 90s, and I switched over firms to Smith Barney and Merrill Lynch. And I would be in my car, and I was listening to sports radio every day, and I had the Jim Rome show and a couple other shows in San Diego. And I just fell in love with the culture of sitting in my car, listening and calling in. And once I started calling in, I was hooked. So Jim decided to have a contest where he invited the best 20 or 30 callers, invite only, you had to get invited from him, for this contest called the Smack Off. And I entered it with about 20, 25 guys, and I won it,
2: ah, that's which awesome. was just
1: a great call. I put together a two, three-minute call on Good Friday. I went into my studio and I cleared off, uh, excuse me, my office. I cleared off my entire desk. I had a couple of handwritten notes. That was it. And I went on this deep dive of a phone call because my name was JT from La Jolla, but everybody called me JT the Brick because it rhymed with Knicks. And I would always call in on the Knicks. Oh. So I won that contest. I had, a, I had a chance in my life to quit my job as a stockbroker and be a radio host in Vegas. So I got syndicated out of Sports Fan Radio Network. And a year into it, the Raiders heard me in the middle of the night. The GM of the Raiders was in his office and said, who is this guy? I don't know who he is. He's taking all these Raider calls, hire him. And they flew me up and they hired me on the spot. And that was the beginning of all that. And that's how I got into radio.
0: And who was your very first Raider player you ever
1: met? Wow. That's well, Mr. Davis meeting Al Davis was, you know, the pinnacle of all that. But at that time I got hired the same exact day as John Gruden. When John Gruden was first time, not second time. Wow. When John Gruden took the Raiders the first time as the youngest coach and all that, I got hired right around that same day. And that's when I started in 98. And, you know, Tim Brown and all the great legends back there. There just so many of them. Everybody started in 98 and went through from Sebastian Janikowski to Jerry Rice. You know, when I started with the Raiders, the first few years were spectacular. They went to two AFC championship games and a Super Bowl. So I thought that was going to be like, every I'm year. She like, I'm in it. <laughs> oh, it, it was incredible. And I sat in the black hole, and my, I would hang over the black hole with the fans with all, you know, the makeup on and the insane fans and notorious fans. So when I started, I went to the black hole. This is a cool story I don't tell much. I went to the black hole, and I met this guy, Black Hole Rob, who founded the black hole. And I said, look, you guys don't have any representation on the radio. And I go, I can't fake that I'm a Raider fan because I'm not from here. But I'm going to back you guys if you back me. And he looked me in the eye and he says, if you don't screw us up, if you don't do us dirty, you're one of us. And right at that moment, I became embedded with with the Raiders. And then I became more of a fan. And now I'm a diehard fan. And a lot of people who give me crap about that say, well, you weren't a Raider fan. Well, yeah, you're right. But I think I invested 24 years into this product. And now that they came to Vegas— I'm a diehard Las Vegas Raider fan because I love everything about Vegas.
0: Well, and truth be told, uh, JT and I are really good friends outside of anything we do for broadcast. And, of course, the love of the Raiders have brought this together. Fun story about JT, Rachel, I have to tell you. He didn't remember this story, but we were at—I I was a uber— like fan. Every time I saw JT, he'd be on TV up and down California and in in Vegas before they came here. And I was like, oh my God, I love that guy's job. Like a Jamie Little, right? Right. Because he's in broadcasting, he's doing great things. And he was with my team and he was talking to everyone and doing all this cool stuff. And we were at this big, huge charity auction at the Palms and JT was there and they were broadcasting, doing stuff. And he was a little tipsy, (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Not if I was on the air Not if I was on the air If I was a guest and, at the Palms that would have been something
0: And I was like Oh my god JT It's so nice to meet you And he kind of blew me off And not not because he meant to Or right. you know There's a lot yeah. going on And he's a big star He no, probably won't give no. it to himself But he is He does a lot And so from then I was like I don't know if I like him anymore And now oh. we've become The best of friends
1: Well I, I'm big on first impressions And I try to make a great First impression with everybody So if you took that the wrong way <laughs> that's on you not on me or you can you can blame the beverage that i had in my hand yeah. at that time or the or the stress of doing that but we we became great friends i have so much respect for you and the brand that you've built here on the radio in vegas and doing what you do from remotes to concerts to all the charity work you do all the MC work that you do and then knowing your family and your kids and everyone surrounding your life it's just a pleasure to be friends with you we've had a we've had a nice run and it's just beginning
0: yeah it is just beginning yeah. and that brings us to everything that we'd love to talk to you about mm-hmm. first we're going to jump into why we're here and the evolution of women and women in sports mm-hmm. because that's something you and I've really yeah. talked about a lot about and that's why Rachel and I are here It's been you know not just win and loss with the Raiders but being a woman and going I've traveled. I've traveled with the team. I've gone to games, numerous games, spent a lot of money. And sometimes it's not really fun being a woman, being a fan. Have you seen some things like that, especially I'm assuming you have, being in the black hole and all the years being yeah. with the Raiders, of women being treated just like, meh.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot, but I haven't seen a lot of disrespect. I've seen a lot of diehard female Raider fans who get right in the middle of it. I mean, hardcore Raider fans who come to games on the road. They're tailgating. They're tailgating. They go right into the hardcore part of a stadium on the road, and they represent. They got their gear on. They'll go toe-to-toe with guys. They cheer. I haven't seen a lot of disrespect where males were saying bad things about women often. But, of course, from time to time, you see something stupid with any gender here. But I just want to tell you, I have a lot of respect for the female Raider fans who have put their life and heart and soul into this, like you have. And some of the best Raider fans that I've ever met, ever met, are inside that stadium. I mean, that's not everybody can go to a game, as you know. Not everyone can get tickets or afford it. But you see so many women at the game representing the silver and black, and then they bring their kids, and their kids are four- or five-year-old, little girls. They're wearing the Woodson jersey, or they're wearing, now coming up, a Jimmy Garoppolo jersey, and you see them, and it's just a fan base that is so deep and spirited, passed down from generations, grandparents, grandmas, grandfathers, aunts, and uncles, that that's why I'm proud to be associated with this team, the fans. The fans, you can't pull over anything on these fans. They're the most authentic, hardcore, notorious, genuine I've ever met. And I've tried to defend them everywhere I go because fans from around the country, as you know, Denver, Kansas City, San Diego, now L.A., They'll talk about a couple of isolated incidents over the years. Every team has Everyone that. team. With the Raiders, it gets magnified. It gets magnified. Why? Because I think that's another good question. I think a lot of it has to do with the early success of the Raiders, right? They've played in five Super Bowls. They've won three. They were the team of the decades. They won a lot. When they came into this league, they won constantly up until the late 80s and 90s. And there was a lot of jealousy and there was a lot of aggression And Raider fans, it's the silver and black. You know, it's the shield. And Raider fans will go into a hostile environment, and if they get pushed around, they'll fight their way out of it. And that just builds the notorious element of them over the years. So when I get on the radio and fans call in nationally from around the country and say, oh, Raider fans are this and that, I say, no, go to a game, come with me into the black hole, come to the tailgate, and meet these Police officers, doctors, lawyers, nurses, military, great people. And every fan base has a couple of uh, knuckleheads. But uh, I think the Raiders, it gets overblown a bit.
2: Well, I mean, I I am that Raider fan, Mm -hmm. that Raider female. I've been going to games since the 80s. I watched, you know, our first Super Bowl. And my grandfather was a Washington Redskins fan. Okay. And we played in the Super Bowl. And he's like, he's like, Mija, who who do you who do you like? And I, I know I told this story about my grandpa. Um, I said, I like the Pirates, Papa. And since then, I, you know, I love the, the 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 idea and the image of of the pirates. And we what no matter how harsh the seas are, we are always, always in it to win it
1: no doubt there's Always. a de- there's a dedication to win and that's just not from Al Davis commitment to excellence mm-hmm. pride and poise they mean yeah. that mark davis cares about it mrs davis when we talk about women we got to talk about carol davis yes. Yes. and the impact she's the owner of the team yeah. with her son and she is a tremendous woman tremendous woman who cares about this brand as much as anyone and i'm proud to know her and been at some private events with her and seen her behind the scenes. And she's just a glorious woman. She she lit the torch in memory of Al she, Davis she for the did. first ever game when there was no one in the stadium. Promise me we'll dive into that topic in a little bit. Okay, Which yeah. is unbelievable. But, you know, getting back to the fans, the fans are the culture of this organization. And these are great fans, and they've been through a lot. And they've been through a lot going from Oakland to L.A. to Oakland, potentially Carson, California. And then they end up here in Las Vegas, and I was in the middle of all that, all of it. And it was pretty intense up in Oakland near the end because a lot of fans took it out on everybody. They took it out on the coach. They took it out on the radio host. They took it out on the owners. And I was just watching this happen. And to see them come to Vegas, I've been telling people over the last couple of years, let it breathe. We miss Oakland. We never wanted to leave Oakland. Never wanted to leave. No. The politicians there really drove the Raiders out, along with a lot of other stories there. But now I'm starting to see, it took a year or two, but Oakland fans are coming here going, I get it. You Look don't at the hear stadium. it so
0: much. You don't hear the anger.
1: No, you don't hear it as much because the fans needed to see the venue. They needed to see Allegiant Stadium. They knew what you know we had in Oakland, and at the end of it, the stadium was falling apart. It was just really a rough place to be at if you were a fan. You didn't have any amenities, right? Then you come here, and it's not all about the amenities, but the fans get it. They go inside, and it's all silver and black. And there's the torch. And you're not walking into SoFi Stadium where you're wondering, who plays here? It's well, glorious. Is it the Chargers, or is it the Rams? It's, you know, <laughs> it's really big yeah. See, and amazing. But you go into Allegiant, and you go, oh, this is the Raiders. Right. I get it. And I think the fans now have come to grips with that. It'll never be Oakland, but Las Vegas is special.
2: Well, it was, I mean, promises made, promises broken twice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. going to LA, the Coliseum was supposed to be our, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the newest, the greatest, the best stadium. It was promised to Al Davis. Yeah. Never happened. Go back to Oakland. Oakland's like, we're going to make this right. You guys are going to be, you know, top of the league, the best ever. And no one could get their stuff together. No one could get anything together for the benefit of this team and what revenue this team would bring. It was almost like an afterthought.
1: You bring in a great point on the revenue. You know, again, Oakland, leaving Oakland was really rough because – that's the DNA and heart and soul of Raider Nation is Oakland. Oakland yes. still is. Okay. Like right. Oakland. There it is. And L.A. has a massive fan base. The L.A. Raiders and the Raiders in L.A. are still bigger than the Rams and the Chargers combined. I really mean that. If you look at the fan bases, the culture, how many people live there, the multi-millions, there'll be more Raider fans there than Rams and Chargers combined. But now we're the we're the West Coast hub for a global franchise. Right. That has fans in London, in Spain, in Tokyo, all around the world. Mexico City. Mexico City. City. Massive, massive. Great point. And now you look at this team and everybody knows, Okay, it's the entertainment and sports capital of the world. Our team is there. We have a brand new practice facility and headquarters, a brand new stadium. It's kind of fun. Right. We want to go to Vegas and have a good time. So I remind everybody, I go put all the BS behind you. And just come out here and enjoy it. There's no fights. No one's getting in trouble. Everyone's having a good time in this stadium where you can eat off the floors. There's clubs. There's luxuries. There's concerts. And just have fun with it. Live in the past because the Raiders past is really glorious. The history a lot yeah, history yeah. is amazing. Exactly. But come to where we are now in 2023 and see the future. And you mentioned the revenue. The revenue that Mark Davis is bringing in with this franchise now, with all the men and women who built that stadium, brought the team here, you can't imagine it. We just saw that the Commanders are going to be sold for six billion, right? The Denver Broncos just sold for four and a half billion. Right. What do you think the Raiders are going to be worth five, ten years from now? Right. I mean, you can't imagine with everything we have here, but it's got to work in Vegas. We got to win games. In the last yeah. couple of years, last couple of years, we went to the playoffs. Last year, a step backwards, now a big draft coming up. A lot of free agents came in, and I know from talking to Mark Davis last weekend, I mean, he is laser-focused on whatever this coaching staff and GM could do to start winning more.
0: All right, when we come back, we are going to find out more about the winning, the X's and O's from JT uh the Brick, and we got to hear that story about Mrs. Davis, okay? All right, this is the Real LV Ladies Podcast.
1: This is JT the Brick. So, if you want more exclusive Raiders content, just go to Raiders.com, click on the podcast page, and see all the varying podcasts we have up there with legends, current players, the coach. It'll get you right up to speed with the Raider Nation.
0: Welcome back to the Real LV Ladies Podcast. I'm your host, created and developed by myself, Steph McKenzie. Rachel Nunez here. And we are joined with the amazing JT the Brick. If you don't know him, you've got to Google him, research him. He's been with the Raiders forever. I would say he is uh, that other man on the field that makes decisions. Well, you're being
1: <laughs> real nice to me because uh, it's really nice to be around an organization this long and to make so many great relationships with the fans, the players, and especially the alumni and the Raiderettes. Oh, Over the decades.
0: I love the Raiderettes. You know? I got to tell you, I have, especially here. Do you know that the Raiderettes is the only studio in the NFL that opens it door? It opens the doors for the public to come in? And they have fitness studio mm-hmm. in there. And they um, help the young generation and they do classes for them. That's it's so really cool. cool. And
1: Mark Davis brought back the Raiderettes for their 60th year anniversary, whatever, 50 year anniversary. It was incredible. I was emceeing it on the field. So they brought out. It was 50, cool. 55,000 people. And I'm on the 50 yard line with Marcus Allen, Jim Plunkett, and the week before the Raiderettes came out, and Mark Davis took them all out from every generation. That's from awesome. From 1960, the 70s, 80s. And what other owner in sports does that? I mean, right. it's not an owner. You know, you bring back a couple of Super Bowl legends, a couple of alumni. Mark just brought back. Every single alumni who ever played for the team who was able to come, he invited all of them. All of them. It's, and that'll never happen again in NFL history. Just it hasn't happened before. I don't think it'll happen again. It happened here in Vegas.
0: And you got to go take a tour. This is my shameless little plug of touring Allegiant yes. Stadium to go see the Raiderette locker room and the Raiders locker room. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's a
1: Fantastic tour. And uh, they're going on today. After uh, the Chili Peppers last night, they <laughs> tore it down and tours are up. That's another nice revenue stream, too. That, yeah. thing is, that tour is working out real well for the city because we were going to tell a little bit of a backstory on COVID. What happened was, you know, a lot of shows shut down and there were a lot of, you know, Cirque shows that weren't in existence and all that. And the Raiders come up post-COVID with this tour and now it's an attraction in Vegas. I mean it really is. People awesome. go there and they can see all the things that you can't see on game day behind the scenes, the locker room, all that, Mark Davis's suite, the broadcast booth where they do the TV broadcast and radio. So that was interesting and I was going to share with you we mentioned Mrs. Davis, she lit the torch in memory of Al Davis for the first game ever played it was at so Levi's Stadium. Raiders beat Drew Brees in New Orleans in that game. And what was wild is there was only a few of us in the building. Mark Davis said, no one's in. If he doesn't go, if the fans don't go, he's not going to go. So there was just a few members of the broadcast team. No concessions, no security, nobody. I mean nobody. Lincoln Kennedy at the time, Brett Musburger, his spotter, statistician, me, and the engineers. And we'd go in that building. And it was one of the most Yeah." First off, it's— That's
2: inaugural season.
1: That's inaugural season. That is
2: inaugural season for the greatest stadium built.
1: Right. And that season, when you walked in, everything was covered. So all the cast registers had bubble wrap. All the refrigerators had bubble wrap, right? Everything was painted brand new. And I would go in there, and I'd swipe my card, and there'd be no elevator attendant, nobody. And then— I'd go up to the press box, and it was like a scene
2: apocalyptic. It was almost. a pop- yeah. and
1: then you'd go into the broadcast booth, and you could hear the players on the field talking on the sidelines wow. while the game was going on in the 400 section where the press box is, <laughs> and oh. you can hear the pads hitting and the coaches calling in the players and the players coming off the field. That was something that'll stay with me the rest of my life. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah,
1: and that was, and then year two, there was the COVID vaccination requirement which still was sold out. Mark Davis made that decision. That was his decision. Everyone got in line behind it. And then year three, there were no longer any restrictions. And that was this past season. So it's been to see the place completely empty while football games are going on, to seeing it vibrant when Chandler Jones caught that lateral with Jacoby Myers (sighs) and to hear the place rocking. There's been a lot of cool stuff happening in that building. So
0: we go into 23-24 season. Mm -hmm. We got... Jimmy G. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's only all about Jimmy G. I'm still about Max Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> Give us some of your thoughts.
1: My thoughts are this is going to be an interesting year because they just did a lot this offseason bringing in a lot of debt players. But they also brought in a lot of good players. Epps, the safety, started for the Eagles in the Super Bowl. He's going to start here. Uh, they brought in a linebacker. It's Blaine, who's going to come in and play and start at linebacker. I would assume middle linebacker. They brought in Jacoby Myers. Jimmy Garoppolo we have the leading rusher and about three or four other receivers now the draft is coming up here at the end of the month and that's all going to be about rebuilding the defense oh, because thank you. you know there's no such thing as rebuilding a team because this is this team's not in a rebuild they have no. some really good players you can't go up to Max Crosby Josh Jacobs Devonte Adams mm-hmm. and Jimmy Garoppolo going hey um Put a year of your life on hold and we'll kind of fix this and get next year, we'll be better. These guys, I think, are going to surprise a lot of people, but they have to. Dave Ziegler, who I like a lot, he's really got to nail this draft. They got to come in with four or five starters. That's hard to do. But Seattle did it last year. Kansas City did it. Jacksonville did it two years ago. They went to the playoffs. They were, Jacksonville was the worst team in football for two years in a row. They had the number one pick. Right. Then they went to the playoffs. So the Raiders, with Jimmy G, Josh Jacobs, Devontae, and this offense, Hunter Renfro, everyone they have on the roster now, with three or four new defensive players and maybe a couple more surprises – I think they're going to surprise everybody because a lot of insiders and fans around the country are not giving the Raiders much hope for this upcoming year, and I am. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people, and they're not done, but it's all going to depend on the draft. They have to have a monster draft, no mistakes, because, as you guys know, the last couple of years, the misses in the draft have put this organization backwards on the field when it comes to talent.
2: Well, uh, I think, like, like my financial advisor likes to tell me, mm-hmm. to diversify. Yeah. Um, let's not get all Alabama players uh, like we love to do. Um, There is The defense this year in college football was, I think, some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. So there is no excuse to not get great players on defense.
1: It depends on when you take them. I agree with you because if you want to take a quarterback with the seventh pick overall, who would be a backup quarterback in the beginning until he gets ready, then you're not going to get an elite defensive player with the seventh pick. If you get an elite cornerback or an elite defensive tackle, and then the next round you get another corner or defensive tackle or linebacker. Then it's the fourth, fifth round, and then you get a tight end or you get a guard. I'm all for that. But I think they have to get a new culture of great, young... This is what Josh McDaniel has been saying. You guys listen a lot, is that they need smarter, more athletic, and more explosive players. They're giving you the blueprint of exactly what they're going to go get. Because last year... They didn't have athletic players who were explosive. And you saw the middle of the field was wide open on defense. Teams just carved them up. So Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, has his assignment now. No excuses now. If you don't have the players from last year, which he did not, you better go out and find them in the draft or free agency. And I think they did that with the safety, a linebacker, a couple corners, but they're more role players. Now the stars have got to be found in the draft, and that's what they're going to be—they're going to be held accountable for that. They have to have star players quickly in this draft. Well,
0: and I think one thing, though, that goes even deeper than that, and you're seeing a culture, not just the Mm. Raiders, but kids, these kids that are playing that we need to pull, Mm. not just us, but all teams— I think that they're going, like I say it because I have a son who's 10. They all want to be in the NFL. They do. Because there's tons of money. But where's the passion? You said that they're looking for smarter, yep. more explosive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or are they just coming out of college because they're going to get paid?
1: Yeah, What's that question? That's a good question. You gotta. That's a great question because that's what Dave Ziegler now in charge with. It's a brand when the Mayock and Gruden era came to an end, right? So all those scouts are gone. All those guys behind the scenes who helped build the team and the the roster. Now you have a brand new group that have come from the success of the Patriots, where they had tremendous success fo- finding guys who were good, and then they coached them to greatness. Right? They yes. weren't these aren't Hall of Famers that were on their defense. Right. They had a couple of them, you know, a couple of good players there: Richard Seymour, Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi back in the day. But they were known for Brady and Gronk in their offense Ooh, he and all that. Yeah, he said did. the word. Yeah, I did. How long did it take there? <laughs> um, but what I like now is they're going to find guys who have a passion, and Dave Ziegler's got to bring them in and vet them. you got to know. Just because you went to Clemson, Dave, Dave Ziegler doesn't care right. that you went to Clemson. You were supposed to win at Clemson. You're one of the best teams in the country. Right. He wants to find guys from smaller schools and the bigger schools that have the same exact passion that will put their life into the Raiders. And I think you're going to see that this year. I think you're going to see more players like that. Passion. In.
2: I love that. Well, yeah. and, and I'm hoping that in, in the, the formulating of, of contracts or mm-hmm. formulating of how you, um, you know, get these players, get the best out of these players is, is more incentive based. Yeah. It's hard to sign a contract for a gazillion dollars and then ask them to be more passionate. Well, I got my money. And I'm not yeah. saying that that's all it. Because there are mm. definitely players who get signed that are still, you know, great, amazing players. Mm. And they, they love football. And I hate saying that guy's name. But he's one of them. He, <laughs> You knew every time he hit the field that he was going to give you 110%.
1: I agree. And you want to get young players who are under contract for cheap prices. You know, the first five years, that's all the success in this league. If you can get a quarterback on a cheap contract, it's a rookie contract, even though he's a top quarterback in the league, right. then you can build around. We saw that with Mahomes. We've seen it with Joe yeah. Burrow. We saw it with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Yes. Well, the Raiders aren't in that situation now. They got Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is a veteran. They're going to draft a quarterback in this draft, no doubt. Right. I just don't know what round they're going to get him in, and he's going to learn under Jimmy Garoppolo. But getting back to Jimmy for a second, the difference with him compared to Derek, because Derek was very good, yeah, very good quarterback. And a lot of callers have been calling into my show saying, you know, this is a lateral move. I go, okay, uh, you know, I can't fight that. You're right, it is. If you think it's a lateral move, talent-wise, I would agree. The only difference is Garoppolo's had more success in the red zone. He's better, he's (laughs) more efficient. And it it wasn't a huge knock on Derek, but the coach, Josh McDaniels and Derek, they just weren't a great fit. I don't know why. I think they were both kind of at fault. Josh McDaniels admitted it. He didn't call the greatest plays. They didn't have a great year. And Derek struggled at times with the offense. We had five, five double-digit leads in the second half and lost all five of those games. If we win three of them, just three, you're talking about a nine-win team. And then no one is bitching about, oh, look at the Raiders, there's six wins. No, in theory, you're right. They were There was six wins, But in theory, it should have been 9 or it could have been 10. And they didn't end up getting that. So don't throw in the towel and say, the coaches are awful. The season sucked. We're one of the worst teams. No, we were really close to winning a lot of games that the Raiders deserve to lose because they didn't finish those games, they made mistakes, the they blew, game was one of they the blew games, the, off, the offense blew some of those games where Derek couldn't sustain the lead and grow the lead, and the defense hung in there a lot, but in the fourth quarter, finally they wore down and those games were lost. That can't happen ever again. Nope. Never in the history of the NFL, ever, dating back to leather helmets, has that happened. Five double-digit losses in the second half. That won't happen again. It's mathematically impossible for it to happen. So with Jimmy Garoppolo now, just control the down and distance, give the ball to Josh Jacobs, let him run for first downs. On third and long, third and short, you got Devontae, you got Hunter, you got Jacoby Myers. Oh, my God. They have everything you could need (laughs) other than an elite offensive line. Their offensive line led the league in rushing, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody ripped on them. They got to get a little bit better in the passing game, but – I think the team is going to surprise people because they're going to score with everybody. But as we've talked about, the defense has got to get off the field. The defense has got to intercept the ball. We need to find guys that can catch a ball that hits them in the hand on defense, knock it down, cover a tight end. Travis Kelsey has killed this franchise the last six or seven years, and that's what they're looking for in the draft. So if they can hit some home runs in the draft, I think they'll be more competitive than people are giving them credit for. How how do
2: you watch, as a fan, Mm -hmm. how do I watch the Raiders play Kansas City knowing that they're going to go to Kelsey four times for four touchdowns? In in one game,
1: yeah, like, for, for, going for only twenty five yards. By the way, in that game, exactly. I uh, I talked about that with the coach before and after the game. I talked about it with the other coaches before this coach, Rich Basaccia and John Gruden, directly on the TV set. I go, here comes Kelsey. You know he's coming. What are you going to do? And they have a plan. <laughs> and you got to tip your cap to Kelsey. Kelsey is a better athlete then the Raider cover linebackers, and he just annihilates them. We haven't had safeties that could cover. We haven't mm-hmm. had linebackers that can cover a tight end. That's been a problem around here since going back to Greg Beekert, right? I mean, it's been a long time since they had that. That's a from the past yeah. name. Yeah. wow. I, I, because you know why I'm, I'm used to saying it, because I've said it a thousand times. So I'm hoping that they find that outside linebacker, that physical guy, because the I culture, see. the culture of the Raiders for 30, 40 years, they had the biggest badasses in the history yes. of defense. Yes, on
2: defense. Yeah, Tatum,
1: Atkinson, long, Skip Thomas, long. Soul Patrol One and Two, Howie Park Long, L- Lyle Alzado, Greg Townsend. Oh my God, Greg Townsend, Charles Woodson, Mike Haynes, Monsters. Lester Hayes. Yeah, right. These are Matt Millen. Oh my God, Matt Millen was. Fantastic. Phil Villapiano. You go through the history of this team. Otis Sistrunk. These were some of the biggest. Ted Hendricks, maybe my favorite defensive player of all time. All these guys are in the Hall of Fame, they were badasses. They would take you out into the parking lot and fight you. They were out till midnight the night before the game, but drinking that's with what Ken I'm Stabler. Where are
0: those kids?
1: They got to find them. And they, you're right about that. It's a different culture today with yes. Las Vegas, guys, there's curfews. No one's going to be out the night before a game like Kenny Stabler, reading the playbook <laughs> by the light on, of the jukebox, smoking, on the smoking, on smoking a cigarette. But I, they see that. And when you go into the Raider facility and the practice facility and you see these portraits, and there's this amazing art and the photos of all these legends and the coaches, Flores and Madden and everybody who was here before, and they're all in the Hall of Fame. It's not about these players now getting to the Hall of Fame. Crosby will get to the Hall of Fame someday. It's about these guys completely buying in to Josh McDaniels. The toughest thing I'm doing now on the radio is I'm trying to remind fans not to back off. Raider fans are going to do whatever the hell they want. They're not going to listen to me. Who, who am I? They're not going to say that. But they should at least give the coach and the GM the opportunity with their vision to try to fix this. Because they come educated in that platform. They come from the Belichick tree. I know Raider fans hate hearing about the Patriot way. It's not anymore. But give these gentlemen who have multiple Super Bowl rings in the back office, front office, let them go to work for their first draft. Because last year we didn't have a first and second round pick because Devontae. Traded right. for Devontae. Right, right, right. This is their first off season, which they had together to really try to make a splash.
0: Well, and I say you're either all in or you're not, and it's an organization, right? Mm-hmm. So you might not like one person along the way or be pissed off because a play didn't happen or we're ahead. It's an organization. It's a team. It's all in together.
1: Yeah, it's, it's what you have to be. You're a professional athlete. So, you're all in.
2: So as as a, a Raider fan mm-hmm. who, who dives into the logistics of stuff, and I— I want to know, and this would make me feel better.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um, Do you think the coaches, coaching staff organization has recognized their deficits?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so
2: in recognizing that, they have to come up with a plan, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, take care of those, alleviate those deficits. Absolutely. But um, they also have to know that our strengths need to mesh with who we get mm-hmm. to um you know uh Super help goal. I am yeah. just I feel like we like I was saying in in other podcasts um I feel like we never have all of the pieces together mm-hmm. at the same That's time fair. and it sh- it shouldn't be that hard but I don't get mm. paid the big bucks I get <laughs>
1: Podcast bucks like we exactly. all do. Podcast Which we're bucks. looking for sponsors yes. right now. But anyway, yeah, um,
2: I, I feel like, you know, we never have the right pieces together at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's right. We're going to put our money on Jimmy G.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he's going to be, like I was saying before, our stabilizer. We've got a pretty darn good offense. Um, our defense needs to be able to complement that. Our defense last year... We had nobody that could make a big play, like blast somebody off the line.
1: You nailed it. You nailed it.
2: So we need those people. And I will feel a lot more confident. I'll sleep better at night Mm. knowing that. Are you seeing the same things we're seeing? Because we, you know,
1: I'm hoping. And you're a diehard fan. And I hear that from a lot of fans. And what they did last year, which was really difficult. They went to the playoffs with 10 wins. With Rich Passaccia after the John Gruden emails, and all that happened. They made it to the playoffs by winning their final four games in a row. I won't call that lucky, but they got some breaks. I don't think they were as good as their record, but their record is what it is, 10 wins. They made the playoffs. That's the standard. What happened is the new GM and the coach came in here, looked at the talent before they accepted the job, sat down with Mark Davis and said, look, we're going to overhaul this thing. We probably don't like the talent that is here. And during the season, they deconstructed the roster while the season was in play. They didn't wait to the end of the year to get rid of Derek Carr. They didn't wait to the end of the year to cut players and do that. They were letting players go along the way to try to get the balance sheet in order, to try Derek Carr got benched because they couldn't afford him to get hurt. If he got hurt, they would have been on the hook for $40 million. That wasn't personal. That was a smart business decision at the time because they were moving on from Derek. But you talk about what they have to do now excuses die the record stands i always say that they have to fill the holes that they have and then build around the talent that they had as you said perfectly and the reason i'm pretty excited about this year is one thing josh jacobs and here's why going into last season i didn't think josh jacobs would have a great year and he didn't get his rookie contract picked up for the right reason the new regime didn't want to pay him they looked at him the year before and they go okay you're okay you weren't great right So Josh proved everyone wrong. Uh, Now he's been franchise tagged, and they're trying to work on a contract for him long term. Now I have a different philosophy going into this season with Jimmy G. Jimmy G won't have to do as much as what Derek had to do. That running back behind him is probably going to have another year. Knock wood, if he stays healthy. Yes, everyone,
0: right now, please. If he stays healthy,
1: (laughs) he should automatically get 1,400, 1,500, 1,600 yards, which is hard to do in this league. Right. That will change everything. It will change ball control, it will eat the clock up, it will keep the defense on the sideline, the defense will be fresher. So all that needs to happen. And the culture on defense has got to change. You made a really good point about blasting people. They need to find someone. They tried with Trayvon Merrick. I don't believe in him just yet. I think he's an okay player. They're bringing in Epps from Philadelphia, who's a harder hitter. They have to find someone in the draft, like Micah Parsons. When we were doing that draft a couple of years ago, I said, trade up and get Micah Parsons. Yes, He was did. right there. They ended up getting Alex Leatherwood, I believe. <laughs> yes. Right? Yep. Right? Right? You're shaking your head, right? Uh, so they need to, if they find that linebacker or that defensive tackle or whatever, trade up from your sixth-round picks, your fifth-round picks, your fourth-round picks, your third-round picks, and go get that guy and have him be the new face along with Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, right. who I expect to have a much better year next year, and just start bringing in some badasses on defense, How who can run and tackle?
2: How do you miss that? How do you miss that? Well, is my you, thing.
1: You had some good GMs around here. I mean, I only have good things to say about Mike Mayock as a person. I mean, he's he's an evaluator. Reggie McKenzie before that. Now it's Dave Ziegler. It's hard to get, you know, how many great linebackers are on the league in the league that you can name in one hand, right? There's only so many of them, so you have to get them early, right. or you got to get lucky with them late, where everybody just passed on them, and you get some young stud superstar that you can build around. But it's it's tough, and I, that's why I think they're going to spend this entire month leading up to the draft, where we are on the calendar, having pro days, working with these guys, flying them in here for visits, to finally find the four. Or five. Remember what I told you on this podcast. There's got to be four to five new defensive starters from the draft. Three of them got to start day one and two of them got to be so good that they develop by midseason yeah. or by the end of the year that they're starting and you're like, oh, that was the fifth round pick out of... Temple or Georgia or Baylor, Baylor, and he's going to play, and you're going to say, "Wow!" Kind of like Nate Hobbs did. Mm-hmm. You know, Nate Hobbs was a fifth round pick from right. Illinois. Yeah, they put him on the field, and everybody started to say, "Wait, he can flash. Yeah, he can make a couple of plays. They need more players like that."
0: See, I told you, JT was a man
2: for I love us. I it. Well, I, <laughs> you know, I also think in the conversation we need to we need to talk about our penalties. Mm. I think last year was a first year where we didn't absolutely, you know decimate ourselves i mean we still have plenty but i don't know if there's any kind of you know
0: it's the curse it's it's, it it is. Can't it's be the conspiracy
1: curse. theory of the refs I yeah the, well cold, and cold. you
0: know when they built allegiance stadium the people that built the same they say they they buried some flags of other yeah. teams and this uh,
2: is <laughs> i just i just think that you know our, our penalties have always been our ball and chain yeah it right? has been yeah uh, e, in the close games that we could have won, there's some and, – and I agree the refs, the, the zebras don't like us. Mm. But I don't think they they like, um, you know, who we are. But still, there's some ding-dong things that players should be held accountable for. There's $10,000 for you not knowing a count, you know?
1: No, there is a lot of that. And a it's, lot it's, of it. It's interesting Th- you said that because all the times I get a chance to exclusively interview the head coach – that's one of the things that really bothers him. Josh, oh, Josh McDaniels pre-snap <laughs> penalties. That means uh, before the ball is snapped, exactly. something happens. Josh McDaniels, I've had two people tell me in the NFL, and I'm not just saying this, it's true, that told me Josh McDaniels is one of the smartest people he, they've ever met, respected people in the NFL. He comes from that patriot way of winning where they dot every I, cross every T, everything's buttoned up. I was surprised last year everything wasn't buttoned up. But that shows you why he was deconstructing that roster. Why they got rid of some pretty good players and players that we thought you could win with and they're not here anymore. Let me leave you on that note. The people who aren't here are not here for a reason. There's no conspiracy theories around Darren Waller or this player. There's no conspiracy theories. They were evaluated by this staff. Their evaluation was, yeah, you're good players. Even some of them they gave extensions to. But at the end of the year when they let them go or traded them, they didn't fit into their analysis of what they need to win. Now the pressure's on them to bring in guys who are better than Darren Waller, who are better than certain players who were let go, and they have to fit the mold of what Dave Ziegler wants. Smarter, faster, and more explosive players. If he ends up getting three or four of those guys, I think you look at, one to two holes on offense, four or five of them cleaned up on defense. Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh Jacobs, Devante, Max, Chandler Jones, three more Boom. defensive starters. Oh. And then the best kicker in the league, one of them, and the yeah. best punter. Yeah, And that's a big part. Special teams is huge. Yeah, the last group of guys they just brought in over the last two weeks, three or four of them are great, great defensive uh, special teams players. So they're going to have that all buttoned up, but – Hey, who am I to say? I don't know if they're going to win five games. I don't know if they're going to win 11. I'm just a fan behind the microphone. Super trying to keep everybody, yes. Trying to keep everybody motivated. Yes. And as you know, my wife, well, she says some days I get up, I have a cup of coffee. I'm sitting there. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to talk about for the day. And she goes, you're the Raider therapist. Go in there and make people feel better. Because I'm not going to sit here and predict wins and losses. I don't do that. I don't gamble. I don't do any of that. But I'll tell you. I'm not going to be doom and gloom. I have a job behind the microphone not to be a doom and gloom, glasses-half-empty sports talk host every day. I don't want to live that type of life. I don't want to be that type of fan. I don't want to see that surround become toxic with the Raiders, even if they're losing or they're trying to win again. I want more people to see what I see behind the scenes, what I am able to see that a lot of other fans aren't able to see. These are good men and women who are working their ass off to try to win. They're not doing anything on purpose to lose. They're trying to get this thing better. I just know a lot of Raider fans don't have patience, and you're going to need right. a little bit of patience till after this draft. Well, and then you, after the you've draft. given
2: me hope. You've given me um, this is
0: why we're yin and yang. A, a good,
2: yeah. yeah, a good. Because I'm the I'm the one I'm the Raider fan who has. Always the priors. Mm-hmm. We could be up by you know eight, seven points with forty seconds left in the game, and we lose by eight.
0: And I always tell her every game, "We're gonna win, we're gonna win." She's like, "Uh, eh, eh. and I'm like, oh. "Super Bowl." And- <laughs> Try
1: hosting the post game show after five second half losses.
0: <laughs> but you know, again, too, I'm, I'm,
2: I love hearing that. Like you said, they recognize the deficits. They're working on it in in a in a mm. truthfully good. We know where we're failing. Let's get this together. Yeah, I
1: gave you, I gave you, I think, all the yeah, positives. Yeah, all the positives that are going on. I feel good. There are right. some negatives. Right. The negatives are the roster development on defense. Yeah. And what's happening, I feel confident enough that they are so conscious of that that they're going to do a really good job of yeah. fixing it. If I didn't believe that, yeah. if I didn't believe that, it'd be a problem. Yeah. Then I'd be going on the radio saying, you know, I don't think they're going to get good defensive players. They don't have good draft picks. They're not drafting right. No. I've watched really good people that I knew really well with good intentions draft really good players who turned out to be busts. Right. And the intention was for them to be great players. That's what happens we in the We need to
2: make sure that we've got a hotline to him when
0: the draft happens. I know. We, we need, need yeah. you to come we back. And yeah. I know you get really, really busy, but we really appreciate well, you taking you. the time it and all this well stuff. well worth it. And I think that you really represent Raider Nation and people that are in sports because you know sports. And well, you love sports through and through. I'm
1: passionate about what I, I, I do. It. I'm passionate to work for this company, to come in this beautiful studio, come on with you guys. And I'm going to play a chunk, if not all of this, on my radio show.
0: Oh, yeah, awesome. I need to take a
1: breath. I don't have four co-hosts like other shows. I know, I'm right? just going to come in and press play right. maybe on oh. a Friday well, and let everybody hear this because it's really that. good. I, I really it. enjoyed well, it. Uh,
0: how do you, do you get a word in doing? edgewise when you got two oh, women that want to talk? Days, you know how that is. I've been,
1: doing this 26, <laughs> I've been doing this 26 years on the radio, right? Someday a program director is going to say, man, JT's been on – the radio by himself for he 20 years. He needs stuff with Let's him all the time. Let's get him a partner. Woo! And yeah. I'll be the two or the three. I don't have to be the lead. I <laughs> just want to sit back and react to everything else. But I really enjoyed this. You oh, guys no. got great chemistry. Thanks uh, for and having me. a shout
2: out to Jim Rome because he's a UCSB alum. Yeah, and, um, Gaucho. Uh, he's a Gaucho. He lived love. on DP. There you go. Um, I, love I am. I am UCSB alum too. So I, I've i listened to him in his entire career. I love Jim Rome. And I, I... You know, he would a here, good one.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have been here if I didn't uh, win that contest. And if he wasn't a sports talk radio host and I came through that portal, that I wouldn't amazing. have met my wife. I wouldn't have my I kids. I wouldn't be in Vegas. So everything kind of now in my career goes full circle to love the it. people that gave me great. Pete Rose, all the people that gave me my big breaks and Tony Benici and mm. this building with Lotus. So. It's a good place to be now. Let's just win some Raider games.
0: Let's do it. So how do people get a hold of you?
1: Uh, I am on the radio every day here from noon to two on Raider Nation Radio, which you can get. I want to make this point really important. Download the Raiders mobile app for free on your phone. And as soon as you open up the app, there's a radio in the upper right corner. You just click it. You hear all our content. It's really cool because it's one of the only apps I've seen in sports radio that freaking works. Like you can actually say, you <laughs> can doesn't click it on. It doesn't take two minutes to buffer. It doesn't take this. Yeah. It doesn't stop. It works really well. I do a national show three or four nights a week on Mad Dog Sports Radio on Sirius XM. Raider Game Day on Sunday and whenever they're playing. And I'm on Twitter at JT The Brick and at Facebook at JT The Brick where I loaded up some good red hot chili pepper videos. Awesome! Yeah. JT
0: the Brick, you guys oh check God. him out on Raider Nation Radio. I love this man. I can't say enough great things love about you too. him. Thank you so much. Thank this you has been the so real. I really LG enjoyed Raider, it. Raider Ladies podcast, of course hosted and created by myself, Steph McKenzie, and me, Rachel Nuñez. You guys have a great day and like we always say, go Raiders. Go Raiders.